Welcome back to the meeting after the meeting, everyone. We're your hosts, David O. And Eric V. How are you doing, Eric? Doing well? I'm good, David. Good. You've, you've been asking me that question good. every time we've started. And I'm kind of, I don't I'm, know. I'm, 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 I'm projecting. Projecting what? I'm projecting. What are you? A, a need to be asked if I'm okay. Oh, oh, wow. I, I, it's taken me a while to get that hint, I guess. Um, how, how are you doing? No, it's okay. It's taken me a long time you to know, get I've that. You know, I've been better. How, how are you doing, David? I, I've, been, I, I've been better. Okay. How, how are, like, today we're joined by a very special guest, Chris. How are you doing, Chris? <laughs> I'm doing so well today. Thank you. Are you, are you sure? Yes. Absolutely okay. sure. Okay. Maybe I'm projecting too much. <laughs> Where are you Let from, Chris? Okay. Uh, I am currently residing in Utah. I uh, nice. I still claim that I'm a Phoenix boy, but I think I probably lived in Utah more in my life. So, but I'm just resistant, you know. I've got to rebel. I mean, it's all desert out there. So, you <clears throat> yeah, know, seriously. How, how how different can it be? The Great <laughs> Wild West. Yes. Uh, so, when were you first introduced to recovery? Um. That one is, let's see, I started working in the field in 04 uh-huh. and, or 05 and um, didn't realize that I was in recovery. So I started using when I was 14 and mm-hmm. um, just, just didn't really understand addiction. I had that stigma that addicts and alcoholics are the bums or the homeless people are the ones who... You know, they're just, their life is wrecked. And yep. I didn't understand the true faces of addiction. And mm. so I actually was working in the field, um, had been sober at the time, had actually had a minor relapse and was was working in a treatment center and was being a part of, I was a tech at that time. And we were watching like a therapeutic movie to some of the therapists and... Um, mm. a few of us as support staff and the clients and I'm watching this movie going, and this is kind of eerily familiar and realized that, uh, Oh my gosh, this is me. This is, I, I have these traits. I, I'm this person. Um, mm. and it, and it really kind of helped me to understand that, um, that stigma that we, that we talk about is a myth. It's not a, it's not a real thing. You know, there are no, um, prejudices, there are no biases that, that addiction has. It'll take anybody. Um, oh, yeah. Have anyone, you know, no matter any of the, the differences and the, and the uniquenesses um, that we all possess, you know, wants all of us. So um, I was actually working in treatment, realized it. I sent my, my wife a text and said, uh, <laughs> kind of like red flag. And mm-hmm. uh, we had, we'd been dealing with my relapse at that time anyway. And so it was kind of a, it was kind of a, um, a good opportunity for me and yeah. Uh, Blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Embarrassing as, as you can imagine, um, and shameful as you can imagine. But, um, as I look back now, you know, what is it? 16 years, almost 16 years mm-hmm. later. It's like, what a wonderful journey. So, um, yeah. And how long so, have you been clean? Um, I, it has been, my clean date is 11, one, 2010. And, um, so yeah, I, I never really was counting dates. Well, let me, let me take that back. Initially 
when, like when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. when I was in my twenties, it'd be, and I was actively using, um, and slipping or like slipping up, uh, lapses, um, no matter what, it was always like, okay, so today is this date and there's a holiday in like five days. So that will be my sober day. Yeah. I wanted yeah. that memorable, I wanted that memorable thing that would just be, man, let's, let's celebrate this thing. And it'd just be so glamorous. And so we get to that holiday and like, we'll get to the like day. That. And <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't think I'm alone in this, but we'd get no. to the holiday and like the next day I'd, I'd drink or, um, I'd, I'd snort something or I'd use something or like mm-hmm. I'd step out or, um, you know, use any of the other things, you know, I don't know if we have children that oh, yeah. happen upon this podcast, but, um, all the things that we do, um, that are still addictive behaviors and, and, uh, you know, unhealthy things. Um, I do something and it was like, man, I messed up and okay. When's the next holiday? When, when's the mm-hmm. next, you know, the ne- the next possible sober date. And, um, I did that for a long time and I was like, that's, that's stupid. And so I actually will, I, I, um, recommend this particular book to a lot of my clients now, cause I'm a therapist now. Um, mm-hmm. and so I rec- I recommend this book and I was listening to it about two years ago, a little over two years ago. And mind you, I've been sober like seven years at that point. Um, uh-huh. and been working in treatment again. Now as a therapist, as a clinical director in, in addiction treatment center, um, right. really like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, that facade of I've made it and mm. I'm listening to this audiobook called mind hacking. And I really, I promote this oh, book so much. Wow. I need to contact this guy and say, Hey, look, man, I, you need to give me like a, a penny every time I mention your book or whatever. Cause I, yeah. I, make, a good, I make a good little small fortune there. But, um, I was listening to it and it, and it felt, I kid you not, I had this, this energy come around me that was just, like you had no idea what recovery was before. Mm. And I got done with that. We actually had made a trip from here in Utah down to, to Arizona for New Year's. And so I listened to this book on the way there and on the way back and completed it. And I just, I was like, man, I feel like I'm a newcomer again. I feel like, uh, almost like, this is what recovery is like. This is what this is all about. It's just really awesome. Um, and so I, I do make that joke that, you know, how long you've been in recovery? Well, today, you know, it's 518 Mountain Standard Time. So however many hours that is, like that, that I'll take another 24 really means a lot to me. Um, yeah. Because, because I, I really believe in that perspective of it doesn't matter what yesterday was and it doesn't matter what tomorrow's bringing. Like what I'm doing in this moment is so important. It's so crucial. Um, to the rest of my recovery. So yeah, we're really long way to answer that question. Um, but, uh, yeah. uh <laughs> but, uh, it's been, right. it's been a few years and, um, I, I still find myself learning and, and, uh, progressing in so many different ways. So awesome. So today's meeting after the meeting will be, uh, the 10th step and, uh, I'll, I'll let you, uh, preface that Chris and then share your experience with it. So take her away. Perfect. Perfect. So, um, this, this step in particular, I think is, what is the, what is the 10th step? Continue to take a personal inventory and we were, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Perfect. And I think almost, you know, that story of, of, uh, when they say, 
Bill W. was asked, um, you know, if, looking back, if there was anything that you could change, and he just said, I, I changed one word, and it was rarely, from rarely to never, never have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And I look mm-hmm. at the 10th step sometimes, and I think, um, uh, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, to say when we are yeah. wrong, like, like we're going to be wrong. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, all the, I'm wrong all the time. And uh, I, I like to play semantics a little bit, and, and it kind of entertains me, but um, just oh, the yeah. concept of, of we're a work in progress. And mm-hmm. the, those cliches in the rooms, uh, progress, not perfection, like they're cliches for a reason, and they're cliches because they're true. And yeah. so over time, I think, I think we let go of the need to be perfect, and we let go of the need to be right all the time. And... I think that's, that's a step in my experience, my personal experience and my experience as a therapist, a lot of people get stuck on 12, or excuse me, on 10. A lot of people um, cycle between um, this idea that, well, now I've made it, now I've graduated treatment, or now I've gotten a year sober, or I've gotten X number of chips and coins and like uh, pats on the back. And so I don't have... Um, I don't have the ability or I don't have the right to make a mistake anymore. You should know better. Mm. Yeah. We don't do this anymore. And just the reality is, um, if we're doing our best and we mess up, I can accept that if we're doing our best. Yeah. Yeah. We mail, if we mail it in and we justify, then that's a totally different story. Um, Mm -hmm. But the, the personal inventory, I think for me, um, we use a, we use a values list and on the left-hand side of this list, we'll have people write down their values. What's important mm-hmm. to them. Not parents' values, not, um, not the neighbors, not their clergy, mm-hmm. not their, not anybody else, but their own personal values and, and take inventory every single day on how, how they did with fulfilling their personal value system. And um, it, I think that allows us to quit trying to please everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. Just to focus on what's important to us: the honesty, the integrity, the you know the the whole concept of the four agreements, um, uh, you know, loyalty and and being a hard worker, and just just everything that's important to us. Um, how did I do with that? And it doesn't matter as much as as how much I pleased. Um, the neighbors and how much I kept up with so on and so forth. And uh, mm-hmm. did I make enough money? It was, it was, am I a good human? And mm-hmm. did I give enough service? Did I, did I help somebody who was in need and, and those kinds of things? So anyway, that's, that's my focus on inventory. Um, and now when we mess up and we, and we fall short, we've got to take accountability for that. And mm-hmm. um, I, I find that, you know, as a human, as a person who's kind of a messed up individual, um, we recovering, all are. recovering messed up individual. Yeah, we all are. Thank you for that validation. Uh, <laughs> it's a whole lot easier to say, Oh my goodness. I met, I told him messed up. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. That is something that I've been working so hard at overcoming or I've done so well for such a long time. Like just an old habit, you know, um, people are so understanding and, mm-hmm. and that's great one aspect of this is are we understanding it for ourselves too? Mm. And 
do we are we are we willing to be forgiving of ourselves? And again, oh, that yeah. doesn't mean that doesn't mean oh, you know that that's what I do. That's my style. That's how I am. That's you know, you just got to deal with it. You just got to live with it. Of course, I'm going to mess uh, up. You know, and, and where we where we try to justify that's 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 no good. Um, but the other end of that spectrum is just holding ourselves hostage if we if we make one minor mistake. You know, when we slip up once, one minor thing, one minor time, and I don't mean these big things. I mean, I mean, just, just those small issues. We offend somebody. We tell a little lie. We, we commit to something. We don't show up for it. You know, we gotta, we gotta take that accountability. Um, but we being willing to forgive ourselves and say, I'm still a work in progress. I'm still making, I'm still making my, my way on this journey. Mm-hmm. And, I'm going to learn from these ex- experiences and learn from the, the successes and the wins as well as the, the failures. So mm. 10 step, one of those things we got to continue, continue, continue. Oh yeah. But, um, what are your guys' thoughts on it? Agree? Disagree? Something else? Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to defer to Eric because this is his, uh, favorite step. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him uh, share his voice Perfect. first. Share my voice. <laughs> um, yeah, share your truth with with us, Eric. Well, I mean, I, I do feel. I mean, I do, tell me what you think. Tell me how you feel. Um, are you okay, David? Is everything is everything all right? Yeah, I'm fine over there. Okay, are you fine? Yeah, I'm just I'm making fine. sure. Um, I think. Thank you. Yeah, I. I, <laughs> I do think um, something you're you said good. was very. Uh, you know, poignant with um, how to look at this step because when you were saying how you know it's not about accepting it's not taking what you learned from six and accepting that that's who you are it's kind of like or, mm-hmm. or from four it's taking that and then utilizing ten to reaffirm a new way of life so it's it isn't oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not that like, you know, you, you leave six or you leave eight, you know, you, let's, let's just walk through. Cause I mean, 10 is a recap, a daily recap of four through nine. So it's not like, all right, I, I know I fucked up in the past and I know, I know I've been a dick. This is the reason why I'm a dick and why I'm not a good person. Mm-hmm. So I apologize for those things and now I'm good. This is just who I am. That's, that's not how the step works. The step is an action mm-hmm. step. Um, so in order to properly work this step, you need to work the step. And mm-hmm. personally, for step 10, I think the real, the real like nuts and bolts of it is you have to be able to, you want to get to a point where you almost instinctually catch yourself. Um, it's not, it's definitely not always going to happen, but Eventually, you get to a point where if you're working four through nine consistently, specifically nine, um, because I've talked about my opinion of nine where, you know, I think nine is also an action step because I I use it as the living amends. I, you know, I think Mm -hmm. if you're changing yourself to reflect the person you want to be, you know, you're living nine. Um but with 10, you know, we're always, we're going to, we're going to fuck up. We're human. We make mistakes. It's going to happen. Yeah. But we need to recognize that and quickly, you know, 
rectify that. Um, so it's, it's, you know, I think for anyone who doesn't think, you know, 10 is a maintenance step. It's making sure we don't, you know, mess up, but, or making sure that we, we clean, it's not about cleaning up. It's making sure that we recognize our behaviors before we have to do it. And I think that's, that's what people sometimes forget because they're like, oh, I can just fall back on my daily inventory at the end of the day. And it's like, well, hopefully you're working this step in your life every day and you're not just working it when you go to bed, like right before you go to bed, like taking mm-hmm. that inventory. Hopefully, you know, when you were kind of like a little um, harsh to, you know, your friend earlier or you might have like spoke out of turn, like Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you recognize that immediately. Maybe you recognize the thought before you do the action. Um, so that's, I mean, that's how I think of 10. So I think, I think that distinction that, you know, you don't accept who you are, but you change who you are to become who you want to be. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Um. My take with the 10th step, um, uh, personally, like, I, I think the, the, uh, NA model could, um, benefit from, like, just slight augmentation of the step a little bit to, like, change the verbiage a little bit more to, uh, help with the, practical application of it. Like I love the list of questions that they have in the step working guide and a lot of like, um, a lot of sponsors have you do that like every day for 30 days or whatever. And, and it's a good practice to really get in that mind frame of constant self-awareness and, uh, like what my, what my sponsor has always taught me in pretty much every step is most importantly like self vigilance and self honesty. And I, and I think that's something that's kind of, I think it's hinted at in the NA model, but I think it really needs to be brought more to the forefront to really drive home the mindfulness of this step, because that's, that that's my take of this step that is that it's a true daily practice of mindfulness and not and not only like self vigilance and self honesty, but ultimately like how your actions have crossed the borders into other people's lives. Like how have you hurt people? How have you helped people? And basically how we can police ourselves a little bit in a really mindful manner to just like Eric said, really leave what was in the past from our past steps back there and really move forward to where we want to go. And I, I think mindfulness is also like a, it, it would be a really nice bridge from the 10th step into 11 because especially with, uh, like prayer and meditation, um, they're very much a personal thing, but it's it's a lot about your own thoughts and own emotions and what's going on in your life. Um, so really, that that daily inventory of of who you are and and what you said, Chris, about like your own values 
And like, are, are we mailing it in on a day-to-day basis or are we truly living those values? So I, I would like to see a, a more um, active approach towards like the mindfulness aspect of it. And, and like you said, the whole mind hacking aspect, I, I think that's something that, that could be really like stretched and broadened and make it a way more meatier step um, than, than it is now, at least in like this iteration and this model. Um, but I, I love the 10th step for all, for all those reasons I said. It re- like it really gives me the ability to um, assess where I'm at on a day-to-day basis. It's, it's, like, it's like doing the dishes. Like if, if I let a, a week's worth of dishes pile up, then I have a big problem on my hand. But if, I, I, if just every day I'm just going to the sink and doing a couple dishes or like two or three dishes just at a time, it's, it, it's going to be way more manageable. And that's how it is on a day-to-day basis. If, if I address the things in the beginning and really nip them in the bud, then they don't really grow or fester or stink and, and become a really big problem that, it, that that can become daunting and sometimes overwhelming. So it, it, it helps me manage my, my thoughts and emotions better on a day to day level than, um, some of the early steps where we had to do like so much more, we're, we're really cleaning up many years of, of, of baggage and wreckage and all that but we can minimize that with the 10th step to, Hey, this is 24 hours of, of wreckage. Okay. That's what I did. Let's, let's see how we can clean it up to tomorrow. I get, I have to do less and a little less and a little less. And the more you, the more you practice it, the less you have to do. And that's my take on it. Cool. I like that. All right. So, you, you, would you like to start with the questions, Eric? Um, sure. I have like a bunch of books in front of me right now. Uh, sure. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, yeah, I have, I have like yeah, I have the step working guide, and it works how and why in front of me. And I'm like, oh, so many, so many references. I have the big book and the step working guide. So I have two fellowships in front of me right now. Um, oh, you're you're double dipping, my friend. Yeah. There's I like a, your style. There's an interesting... Um, <laughs> you don't have a smart recovery book out? Smart smart doesn't go... Smart doesn't work steps. You, um... I'm just saying, maybe there could... I, I, you're the expert, so I, I, I'm just saying... I know you're, you're penchant for thoroughness, so I, I didn't know if there was a cross-reference you could make there. I'm not. I'm not an expert at smart recovery. I just. I've only worked the program. I'm just saying once. you're you're the expert here. You're the expert in this room. Um, God, I'd have to look. My my brain has been so fried with work. I I'd have to go grab the book across the room. Um, but you know, I I've only done it once, so I don't have the recollection that I do for, you know, NA or even you know the slight recollection I have for AA. Um, but. You know, just, uh, I guess, starting with the first question, I guess, um, you know, what, what is your process? And, you know, I, I want to make this a conversational um, podcast tonight. So, like, you know, what, 
So any, I mean, David, you can answer this as well um, after Chris, but. Oh, thank you. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm allowing it, but. Um, what? <laughs> what? Here too. I really, I really love that. <laughs> um, what is your? Do you hear the amount of hostility here, Eric, Chris? <laughs> yeah. He, he's so <laughs> condescending. I'm putting my. <laughs> Put your um, counselor cap on. No, I'm, I'm taking it off. Motherfucker. Be, yeah, I just want to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, it's like just have fun, you know. Um, but what is your process in, you know, kind of um, recog- Like, how do you recognize when? Let me try to word this better. When you recognize that you have caused someone wrong or have caught a resentment, what is your process in working this step? And how do you go about, you know, and each, I mean, every resentment and every wrong has a different hierarchy. Um, So this might be different for different examples, but how do you go about rectifying that situation? That's a good question because um, I think I think we can talk philosophy around it all day, but one of the things that we're really lacking is that practical application. What does it look like? And mm-hmm. what's something that you have to like? What's something that you have to journal about that I'm going to do better with? And then what's something that you'd have to actually like go talk to somebody and say, "Hey, I did this, and I'm sorry that I did this to you." Um, or when they approach us, cause, cause you know, some of this stuff, people will co- confront us and say, you did this and, and it's not cool. It's, it's not okay. And then other times nothing happens and, and we have the awareness around it where, you know, I don't know, forgetting somebody's birthday, let's talk about something that it could, for some of us, it may be a trivial thing. Like you, you forget, right? Mm-hmm. Birthday. Um, something like that, as soon as I remember, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I, I forgot your birthday, like you're, you're really important to me, you are. Um, there's a, there may, might be a temptation to go into, I'm so busy, my life is just so crazy, like I have so much stuff on my plate, and I don't mean to kind of be whiny about it, but that's not an apology, that's not taking accountability, it's, yeah. it's I, for me, that, that accountability piece is, I messed up, like you, you really are important to me, and, and I intend to remember things like this um, and to be there for you and to be thinking of you and um, I'm going to do better. Um, so let's say earlier you said, like, if you speak harshly to somebody, um, you know, right now in our society with this whole virus thing and, and everything going on, I think, I think many people's tension is high. Many people are frustrated yeah. and stressed and, and I, you know, there's some statistics that I'm seeing as far as um, marital conflict, family conflict, even some violence that's occurring that's really daunting and really scary and sad. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but let's let's just say it's nothing to that extent for now. And let's say let's say that I I got heated and I yelled at somebody and called them an unsightly thing. Um, something that maybe I don't really mean, but I was really ticked and I go cool off 
because because in the moment I'm my, my ego is not going to let me acknowledge that I did something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so it takes a moment for me to kind of like, I wish I didn't say that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm yeah. just so mad. You know, I'm justifying, and so I think it it takes a lot of in, internal strength to say, is that part of my value system? Whether they deserved it or not, whether they did something to aggravate me or not, doesn't matter. My hope is that we're doing the right thing because because it's the right thing to do. You just don't call somebody yeah. a name. You just don't, you know, you don't lash yeah. out at somebody like that. And so, and let's, maybe that's a little bit of self-disclosure, but when I've got to eat crow, when I've got to go to somebody and say, I'm sorry I got upset. I'm sorry that I that I got a little bit hostile. Um, my ho- no, that was a little bit. That was going to be an ego. Um, but uh, you know, ho- the, the the word hostile might mean different things to different people. But let's say if mm-hmm. I mean my my cool, I'm I'm so sorry I lost my cool. I'm sorry that I said that. I'm sorry that I raised my voice, or I'm sorry that I was demeaning. Um, that's not how I feel about you. And this is, in fact, how I feel about you. And this is what you mean to me. And I'm working hard on gaining greater control over my emotions and over my words when I'm emotional. And I, I can commit to you that I'm, that I'm really working on this. And I don't think that we need to promise people we're never doing that again. I don't think we need to promise people that, you know, you can, you, you can expect that this will never happen again. But it's, I'm mindful of this. I'm paying attention to where this is coming from. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really, truly, sincerely apologetic for this happening. Um, yeah. And now we could, we could probably talk about a bunch of different examples and, um, and how, you, how you go in and, and apologize for that thing. But one other aspect of this is the dynamics of the relationship that you have with the person that you offended. Yeah. And, and some of those people don't want an apology. Some of those, some people don't, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, yeah. But I think if we pretend like the issue didn't happen and like the elephant in the room thing, then that only worsens, that only worsens the conflict. And I, and I also yeah. think it, it worsens the, the denial within our ego that, that I don't make mistakes that I don't make wrong choices, that I don't mess up. When the truth is that we mess up all the time. We mess up, most of us mess up every single day um, to to one degree or another. And so when I can get in the habit of genuinely saying, hey, I'm sorry that I offended you. I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings. I'm sorry that I neglected. I'm sorry that I, you know, whatever it is, it's communicating to, to everybody simultaneously with reminding ourselves that we aren't perfect. And mm-hmm. that we're doing something about it. We're doing something about those imperfections. So mm-hmm. that's my mm-hmm. thought. Uh, what was your question, Eric? <laughs> I totally forgot it. David, David, uh, um, dude, tell me this. Tell me that's the first time this has happened. No. So, what is your process? Your actual process in working the tenth step through a resentment, or when you catch like a feeling. Oh, shit. Um, do I have to be honest? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's an honest okay. program, David. Honestly, it's an honest program. Yes, I know. 
I know. I was being facetious. Um, honestly, it, it it depends on the situation. Like like with, with Chris, uh, the the scenario he laid out, like with uh, forgetting somebody's birthday. See, I have a cheat code for that. Every every New Year's Day, January first, on my social media, I say Happy Birthday to everybody. Boom, done. I got it all covered. Ooh, I love That's how you do that. That's how you do that. Because there's, I, I have so many people in my Facebook that literally every every day I I sign in or whatever or click on the app, I I would just be sending happy birthdays to to somebody every day, and it, and then like you said, one day I I forget or I don't log into Facebook, and they see for the last week that I. Uh, wished a happy birthday to person X, Y, and Z, but then I didn't do anything for them. So it's like, oh, now they have a resentment. So I just alleviated all of that, and I just say, happy birthday to everybody who has a birthday in 2020. I love you all. I'm, there's too many people, in, in, and there's not enough time for all of them. So in order for everybody to not get butthurt, I don't acknowledge anybody uh, individually. And that's just, that's, that's how I do that. Um, now how do I work through a resentment? Um, it, it really depends. It depends on the level of resentment that I have, uh, with it, with a given situation. Like that's such a broad topic, Eric. Like there, it, it, I feel like my answer is just really like painting with like broad strokes. You know what I mean? Um, uh, We'll use an example. Just recently when my friend, who was the best man at my wedding, went to uh, what all intents and purposes was his bachelor party, yet I wasn't invited. How did I process that? I think it's a perfect example. Um, I honestly, I did not not address it for a solid week because I was angry. I, I was I was too angry to a point of me being able to control my mouth, and that's something that I do. If I know that I'm too too angry to control my mouth, I will physically or uh, I'll just remove myself from the situation. Like I won't text you, I won't call you for however long that period is, where I know that I'm not in control of my emotions. Once I get in control of my emotions and in control of my thoughts, I will approach it um, to the best of my ability in a loving manner to express why I'm hurt, like what were the situations, and then how, and then, and then I'll physically put myself back in the situation to talk to them face to face because so much is lost these days with technology. especially not being in the room with Eric, getting to see his, his beautiful uh, facial expression. Mm. Um, so it, it, I, I try and give myself the time. And that's something that's changed throughout my recovery because in early recovery, it, the, the chemical reaction was so fast from, from whatever catalyst um, set me off that it was just boom. It, it, whatever was on my mind was coming out of my mouth. And I, I really had to work on that through each step. Um, 
to, to not be that verbally reckless and emotionally reckless person, um, to be more mindful of my own feelings where, where I was at, but more importantly, where they were at. So just like you said, Chris, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't come off as, uh, hostile or antagonistic or patronizing or however many different ways that I could come off negatively in a situation. So I, I, nowadays I try to give myself the time so that I can approach it in a, a healthy manner on my end and so that it will be received positively on their end. That's how I do that. That's how I do that, Eric. Cool. I love that self-awareness piece. Just, just knowing and acknowledging what my limitations are and, yeah. and saying, look, I wish that I could sit in this space right now and, and smile for you and be happy mm -hmm. and be, and not be hurt. But I've got to be authentic to myself. I've got to be yeah. honest with myself first and, and support my emotional needs. And yeah. if that means that I've got to remove myself from the situation, absolutely. If that means that I've got to, that I've got to, you know, take care of, of that, of my heart and my soul. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. once I'm composed and once I can have that conversation, I'll come back into the space. Absolutely. Kudos to you, man. Uh, you know, you, you got to do it that way because like, otherwise you're just, you're just pouring gas on the fire. Yeah. Like if, if I came out the side of my neck and, and started saying this, this, that, and the other thing, and like just reacting and speaking purely on emotion, like that's just not a, it's not a healthy way to go about things. I just, because emotion can get so volatile so fast and then they say something and then the reaction continues. And it, it's, it, it's kind of like a science experiment. It's just reaction on top of reaction until you just have, this this really crazy mess that's almost uncontrollable at that point. All right, um, I want I want to go to your work as um, as a counselor a little bit. I'm going to ask you a, a two part question. Um, we'll we'll do the good news and then the bad news. Or wait, no, other ways. Bad news and then the, <laughs> bad news then the good ways. Strike that. Reverse it. So, what is the what is the most difficult part of working with addicts? and then follow it up with what is the best part about working with addicts? The most difficult part has always been when <clears throat> the most difficult part of working with addiction has always been when a spouse or a parent or somebody's child calls me and says they didn't make it. We found them. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. thank you for trying. Thank you for, for helping. Um, huh. but we wanted you to know that they, like they didn't make it. Um, yeah. And sometimes that's, you know, we'd, we'd love if you'd come to the service or, um, you know, or there's an explanation for why they missed their, you know, their last appointment or whatever it is. Uh, mm -hmm. that's always been the hardest thing is, is feeling like we missed an opportunity. And as mm -hmm. a, you know, when you have, when you have addiction issues and then you get into this helping profession, 
man, talk about, talk about being primed to struggle with ongoing codependency and ongoing, um, mm. I'm going to fix everybody and I'm responsible for everybody's Ooh. success. Yeah. Um, and so one thing I was taught by a mentor a long time ago, um, when I first got into this field and a, and a loved one, the, the, the setting, let me, let me share the setting. Um, the treatment center I worked in, that I first worked in where I really had a lot of self-discovery. We had three weeks of regular programming and mm-hmm. or, or two weeks of regular programming. And every third week was called family week. And mm-hmm. so families from across the country and sometimes from across the world would come in and we do four days of really intensive family work. And so mm-hmm. I started getting those thank yous and those, you saved my boy. Mm-hmm. You, you brought my wife back to me. You, you saved my dad. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a dopamine release, isn't that? Like, wow, yeah. I, did, I did some good, man. That feels really mm-hmm. good. And I was in, you know, as a therapist and counselor, we have something called supervision. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like therapy for therapists, you know, it's yeah. an opportunity to talk about the things that are coming up and we kind of staff our cases and talk about those things. And so I was having supervision with who I consider to be um, probably one of the three best therapists on the face of the planet. Um, and she said, um, she said something to the effect of, um, you want to be really careful with, taking that credit with receiving that as credit mm-hmm. because, because when you get that phone call, when you get that, when you get that notice or that complaint from somebody who says they didn't make it, you don't mm-hmm. want the credit for that either. And, yeah. and I really took that to, to heart. Now, now I know, I think there's a really good balance in saying we're doing our work. This is, this is an ongoing 12 step and, and, you know, I love, I love working on 12 step too, or 12 step as well, but, um, there's a, there's a service aspect of being in this field and working with people. And we know that mm-hmm. it comes with downsides. I know, I know that some of my people aren't going to make it. And, and sometimes that means they don't make it in treatment and they just go back to using. And sometimes it yeah. means they end up in prison. And sometimes it means mm-hmm. they end up, they've lost their family, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then unfortunately, sometimes it means they've lost their life. And, um, that never gets easier. That never yeah. gets easier. I still have even, even patients I've worked with years ago, um, colleagues that I have in the field will reach out and say, Hey, do you remember so-and-so the yeah, they, they passed away and or I saw an, an, an announcement, um, you know, I saw an obituary or, or whatever. And it just, mm-hmm. is, it's crushing. It's crushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then the other side of it, like I think of 416 and 417 in the big book and I think of the acceptance piece and how, and how everything happens for reason. And I don't know how to, I don't know how to negotiate that somebody not making it would happen for a reason. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a hard one. Um, oh yeah. As a, as a cynical, as a cynical therapist, <laughs> as a, mm-hmm. as a person who's been in, in some precarious situations and, and has had some, some of the people that I love the most on the face of this earth, walk this, this fire too, um, and deal with the addiction and mental health and a variety of those kinds of things as well. Like I personally can accept that concept of some people aren't going to make it. 
that I might have a sad story that really touches my heart in, in, in my extended or even immediate family. And I'm prepared to handle that the right way. Again, we're not, we're not saying I want that to happen, but we're prepared to handle that the right way. But when someone else is grieving, that's not appropriate to say to them, well, everything happens for a reason. You know, that's Mm. like, that's like a slap in the face. Um, so worst thing. Yeah. Could you like imagine, could, could you like imagine a doctor coming out of an opening? an operating room saying that? Oh man, I'd, I'd probably hit him. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. On, on, exactly. On like it's, it's almost like a perfectly analogous situation. Like you couldn't go to a family after like their, their son or daughter or husband or wife lost their fight against addiction and be like, well, I'm right. sure it happened for a reason. Like you're, right. you're going to get assaulted very quick. Right. Oh yeah. So, Let's jump into, because I think we need to balance, I think we need to balance the bad and the good. Um, yes, yes, you know, that's the best part. So I had, I've had some experiences. So in that same treatment center we have, um, every, every year there's a reunion. And mm-hmm. everybody throughout, you know, the, the entire existence of the treatment program um, is mm-hmm. invited back annually to participate in the alumni reunion. And... So when I get an opportunity to see um, somebody in that space or, um, you know, the treatment center that I worked at more recently um, for a few years, the the clients are local. And so even at a gas station or um, at the store or wherever, I run into them a whole lot more often with this local, kind of the local scene. And so when I run into somebody and they've got, man, and and the backstory was um, broke, lost everything, um, you know, split family, the spouse or partner took the kids and they were unemployed and then fast forward a few years or, or whatever it is. And they have a smile on their face and they, maybe there's a couple of kids like walking behind them and, and it's this dad holding their hands, you know, and you can, you can sense a person's energy, you know, we don't have to oh, be yeah. readers to know when somebody's doing yep. well. And you just see that, that aura, that energy of recovery. And you know that this person mm-hmm. has changed and that, yeah. and that they are continuing to live recovery, that they are doing those things on a regular basis. And they're experiencing the blessings of that, of that change, that they are now living the promises and, and they look at you and say, not, not thank you for saving me, but thank you for, for what you taught me. Thank yeah. you for not. This was one of the hardest things that, at first for me, um, switch, kind of switching roles, was the tough love concept and holding somebody's feet to the fire by saying, I, will, I love you. You're my client. You're my person. You're my friend. You're my whatever it is. But I'm going to hold you accountable. And this, yeah. is, and this is introducing them to or redefining the concept of unconditional love versus codependency, right? Well, one of my favorite quotes about that and like that we hear a lot of times around here and like my my sponsor has said to me a lot of times is I would rather step on your toes than walk on your grave. And that's that's just so powerful to me. Absolutely. And so I I have a lot of people, um, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to the book or, or read the book, I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. Um, but I, um, I was listening to that this morning, and it's about 
Um, it's about the borderline personality. And I think that, I think that we endure a lot um, of chaos in our lives, especially in addiction. Not necessarily meaning that a person has borderline personality disorder, but, but the, the chaos and the tumult and the, and the, and the stuff that comes with that. Um, I've had, I've had clients spit in my face. I've had clients starting to kill me. I've had clients, you know, I've had, I've, they step up to you and they're, they're trying to intimidate. I've had, I've had clients, you know, completely stab me in the back and oh, I've had mm. brokers do that too. Can I say that here? Is this a safe space? Sure. We talked about resentment earlier. So I've had, just I've don't tell them about the podcast. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Most of them, most of them have made their amends and, and vice versa. But, um, anyway, that's a little bit of a, of humor. Um, hopefully sick twisted. It happens. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, we, uh, I was listening to this, to this book, I hate you don't leave me. And there's this, this idea that if I also, if I hold your feet to the fire or if I step on your toes, like you're going to react, I'm going to become the enemy in a way. Mm-hmm. And that's a real thing. You know, when somebody finally holds somebody accountable, it's like, what do you, who do you think you are? How dare you mm-hmm. speak to me about how dare you treat me that way? Because mm-hmm. nobody else on the face of the earth has ever done that for them because they've let them, they've let them do whatever they wanted. Nobody actually loves yep. this person enough to say, Hey, what you're doing is not helping you. So one of the, one of the greatest things is when I've, you know, I've, I've kind of made an enemy of somebody I've been working with and I love them, but they don't see it that way. And a couple of years later, they yep. go, I, I hated you back then, but man, I just, I know that that was the only way mm-hmm. you not said this or done this or kicked me out. You know, we kicked people out of treatment before um, we've kind of gotten wise more, more recently in, in our society. Um, but if somebody would, would come into the treatment center and bring drugs in there, I mean, oh, we wouldn't think that that would happen, but absolutely it does. You know, um, oh, yeah. if you, if you put somebody else's recovery or life at stake, then you've got to, you've got to, we've got to part ways. You've got to go do something. Yeah. And so there were yeah. times where we'd have to move somebody out and, and you always find good space for them to go. You don't put them on the, on the curb, but yeah, um, of course where we, where we'd, uh, a gift those consequences to somebody, I guess you could say. And they hated us back then and we'd get death threats and you're the, you know, all the kinds of comments and slurs and. Oh yeah. That kind of yeah. stuff. But then fast forward a few years and, somebody's gotten their life together and yeah, it's just that appreciation that you, I know that was a hard thing for you to say, for you to do, for you to whatever, but I knew it was the right thing. And thank you for loving me enough and not caring about telling me what I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Cause ultimately that, that doesn't help. It, it doesn't help that person. It, it's, right. it's exactly like uh, prime example. When I was growing up, I would ask my parents like, Oh, Hey, what does this word mean? And they would point to the dictionary on the shelf. Like, sure, you can give the kid the answer or you can show them how to find the answer themselves. Like, you know what I mean? And and I think that's really analogous to um, uh, people saying, because, like, I, I worked briefly at a, at a treatment center as well, and I, I never liked any sort of credit, like 0% credit of, like, oh, you, you gave me back my son or anything like that, blah, 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 because... I, I feel like counselors and and therapists and and even sponsors in recovery are really just guides um, towards helping people 
save themselves. You're exactly right. I use that analogy so, a lot. The, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I picture on the office when Michael, Scott, and Dwight are driving and the, and the navigation system is telling them to drive forward. But yes. it's like, there's like a lake right there, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's like this dilemma of what do we do, you know? Like, <laughs> do we just do what the navigation says or do we use our own common sense? And so I use yeah. that a lo- analogy a lot with my, with my people and say, I'm your navigator. And I'm going to give you what my, in my perspective, what I think is in your best interest. I'm going to share that with you. Ultimately, you run the show and you are making the decisions and you get to, you get the praise when that goes well. Um, Mm -hmm. but the other side of that is I'm not in your driver's seat and I would much rather be put out of a job because somebody got it because somebody figured this thing out and they know how to, they know how to self-soothe. They know how to. Um, remain in recovery. They know how to de-escalate situations. They know how to work their steps. They know how to all of these things. I'd rather them do that independently and autonomously than than be dependent even in that relationship from from yeah. clients to therapist. And mm-hmm. and that's that rings false for some people who would be like, well, that that doesn't make sense. What what is that? What is that all, all about? Because nobody wants to get fired, right? Nobody wants to be put out of a job. But when we're looking at this from the, through the lens of being in recovery and understanding what amount of pain this brings to humans' lives, mm-hmm. nobody's, nobody's saying, hey, man, I, because I want job security, I want you to continue suffering. Oh. You know? Yeah. I don't want you to suffer. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. When I was working at this other treatment center, we'd say that all the time. This place used to be a nursing home before it, it was turned into an addiction treatment center. Let's put it out of business. And I, yeah. I wasn't the yeah. owner. And I would joke, you mm-hmm. know, please don't tell the owner that I said that, so on and so forth. And, it, and it's humorous and whatever else it is. But there's a genuineness to that statement. That if, yeah. that if we get to close this place, that means there's no need for addiction treatment anymore, at least in this county. Right? Yeah. It, that, and, that'd be like any... That, that, I think it's perfectly analogous to a doctor being like, hey, I would love to never treat a gunshot wound or, or a cancer patient ever again. Yeah, like I'm sure they would love that, especially like a cancer specialist. They're like, I w- I would love if I didn't have a job anymore, and if I didn't have to like tell, like you said, like tell those patients that oh, we lost your daughter, we lost your husband, we lost your father, whatever. Like um, a cancer specialist, w- I'm sure would be very happy to be out of a job. Hmm. Wow, I agree. What you got, Andy? Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, and, and you know, you're. I'm a social worker, right? So, so I can go, mm-hmm. I can go work in the nursing home. I can go work in the school. I can go, I can go write a book or teach or what, like whatever, you know, hand out. Yeah. I'll stop there. But, um, if, if we cured addiction, if we didn't have that need anymore, I wouldn't be out of work. I just go to a different part of our yeah. society that needs a little bit of help. that needs a little bit of support that ideally has, has some, um, fewer consequences, less severe mm-hmm. consequences coming from it as, as, as whatever that thing is that exists as a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yep. All right. So, um, let's keep this one simple. So what spiritual principle do you take away most in practicing for step 10? 
You're asking me? I'm, Chris? I'm asking Chris. Oh. And okay. you, if you want as well, David. You you can okay. answer later. But I'm asking okay. Chris first, and then, uh, yeah, David, you can answer as well. The Congress, it, it's so shady in this room. Are you throwing shade from uh, from Cadenville over here, you son of a bitch? <laughs> hey, dude, you know, I mean, um, large... So much shade. I mean, large, large things cast large shadows, you know, so you, you gotta, you're gonna be in some shade sometimes, <laughs> bud, all right? <laughs> Class to you, Eric, very good. <laughs> so what spiritual principle do we most take from step 10? Go, go, Chris. Well, don't you pull integrity? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Integrity. Um, oof. God, there's so many. Um, I, I I would just say like rigorous self honesty. Yeah. Like that 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 would be the one for me because like if you, if you're going through step ten and you're just telling a whole bunch of like lies to yourself, you're not gonna get anything out of it. But if you're just genuinely like vulnerably honest with yourself and with your sponsor or, or spiritual guide or, or your counselor or. Uh, your therapist, you're, you're actually going to get something out of it. Cause, and I'm sure that's something you, you, you see so often in that field of work. I'm like, I'm sure you can tell when a patient is completely bullshitting you. Oh yeah. Like, Oh, oh no, I only drink like, I have like one beer, like a night. And it's just like, yeah, okay. Sure you do. Like, how do you have three DUIs? Oh, well, I, I had three that night. It's like, okay. Yeah. Like those people, those people aren't going to get anything because they're not willing to, to open up and be vulnerably honest with somebody. And, and without that vulnerable honesty, I, I don't, I don't think there's a way forward for myself personally. Like if I'm, if, if I, if I'm just in that self denial with my sponsor and I'm just feeding him bullshit, then I'm going to get nothing out of it. I like that. What about you, Eric? Uh, self-discipline. Self-discipline. Yeah. Okay. Being able to consistently work the program that you want to work and follow through with mm -hmm. what you plan on doing. Um, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. It's, it's, great. it's great when you talk a big game, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't back it up. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, I, I love people who can make it to five, six, seven, ten meetings a week, but that's still the very small minority of your life. Like, meetings are great, but if you're only there for two hours a day, what are you doing for the other 22 hours? Oh, that's what really matters. Honestly, that's a pretty big fucking part of your life. How many meetings? Five to ten? I'm just that's saying. A, that's a part-time job, you, dude. Like, that's a, that's a lot of time. Dude, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, oh, think God. about it. Think okay, about it. the let's, meeting let's, before the meeting, the meeting after the meeting. You know, like, are you getting coffee beforehand? What's the drive time here? You know, Jesus, like <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Seven meetings a week. Let's say, let's say, cumulatively, you're spending eleven hours there. Eleven hours is still a very small chunk of your entire week. That's true. <sighs> I think it is, as he's. As he's yawning. Yeah, I'm thinking, I'm like, because we, we, we struggle to prioritize, don't we? Yeah. We're, 
mm-hmm. so much in our society we're like I don't have time for this and I was I was questioning the other day maybe a week or, or two ago what do I what have I convinced myself that I don't have time for in my in my life right now something that's really important to me but I keep saying I just don't have time for it and and that oh. probably probably was kind of prompted by the coronavirus stuff and okay everyone's yeah. cooped up now and I I'm really blessed to still be working and to still uh-huh. have the opportunity to interact with people and engage with people. We just were working online and doing a lot of online therapy. Um, but there was a part where I saw some of these like TikTok videos and these, uh-huh. these dads that are like midday jogging and, and out with their kids. And I'm like, I was a little bit envious and probably a little resentful. I should have talked about that earlier. Um, a little bit like, yeah. Hey, that, that'd be nice. You know? The other flip side of that is like, I'm going to be able to pay my bills and I'm going to be able to like, okay, I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm blessed. I'm so grateful for that. But, um, we struggle, I think, to just prioritize. And there's, there's probably mm-hmm. 10 minutes in our day here and there that we, that we just spend wasting either scrolling or checking up on or, uh, stretching or talking crap or whatever it is. That's like, well, you could, you could, uh, congregate that those minutes together and do something yeah. significant, you know, realize how um, many Bob Ross paintings you could have gotten done in that seriously. amount of time. Those are, and those are so a priority. Those are important. Those are crucial. Mm. Oh yeah. Huh? You know how many happy trees we need in the world right now? We need so many fucking happy trees. There's not enough happy trees <laughs> and friends and, and, and fluffy clouds and all those. Stuff. And we're just going to put a mountain right here. We're just going to just, Looks like three lines, Bob. No, it's a fucking mountain. Son of a bitch, he's good. So, uh, All right, it, Eric, is, is it, it's that time. Is it, about, is it about that time? Yes, go ahead. What? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Do your do your little song and dance. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my favorite part of the podcast. It is time to go to the Twitter. <laughs> a little, little bit more uh, that was- reserved there, aren't we? Um. Yeah, I was kind of going for for like a masterpiece theater kind of thing. I, I pictured a, a nice mantle behind me. All right, so I have nothing. There's no there's no there's no leather chair, no crackling fire, nothing. But so, <laughs> so I've been saving this question for a long time, and I figure since you work in the field, um, this is a good topic, and you know, it's it's something. Yeah, I, I'm curious how we're, we're all going to answer this. But this comes from Mackenzie. Um, and Okay. Hi, Mackenzie. Mackenzie is asking, is it fair for people to make money giving talks about programs and spreading the message? So, to also rephrase this question... I mean, is it fair for people to, because I mean, if you think about it, most treatment centers give away literature and promote a single program. You could argue that podcasts do the same. Um, so Let's not make that argument. We are making that argument. The, the entire, <laughs> arg- like that's, I'm changing the question to be more encompassing around media. Well, I'm just saying you, you Around media and around. You just omit, omit the podcast. I mean, you—you—that's up to you. Um, but, <laughs> so, uh, Chris, you I'm trying to protect us, Eric. 
Well, I mean, it's it's all in how you you look at the question and how you answer it. No, no, no. So, I'm sorry. Chris, um, you'll answer first, and then David, and then myself. <clears throat> so the question, maybe I want some, maybe you don't know this, but is there context? Is Mackenzie a fan of the show, or is Mackenzie... Yes. Okay. Yeah, she's been on. She's been on the show uh, a, a, a couple times, and uh, yes, we we know her. Okay. So the question is: Is it fair to, if I heard correctly, is it fair to make money um, in media or or sharing giving, the message? Yeah, or giving talks about the program and spreading the message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it fair giving talks about the program and spreading the message? Is it mm. fair? I would look for a deeper context. Um, you know, am I going around profiting off of people who are struggling? Um, or am I, I guess, in what context am I sharing the message? Um, yeah. If if I if I go around the world reading out of the big book and being paid for that, I don't feel good about that. Yeah. Um, if there's practical now, sponsorship is separate, right? We're gonna this isn't yeah, no, AA, no, sponsorship no, here. no, no. Yeah. Although I do have my sponsor on, I do have have him on retainer, but that's a different story. Perfect. <laughs> I'm thinking of um, motivational speakers, and I'm thinking of people who are life coaches. Famous people, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if it's your if it's your mundane cookie cutter stuff, no, that's not cool. Um, uh-huh. If you've got a dynamic way to apply this stuff, um, ultimately, what what the value is is what am I getting out of this? How is this changing uh-huh. my life? Mm-hmm. And if this inspires me to go do and to evolve and to then take that message to people that I rub shoulders with, that I associate with, then that's a priceless mm-hmm. gift. You know, that's something that's just invaluable. Um, but there is a lot of, I think, regurgitating of other stuff out there that you oh, know yeah. that, that people will hear, you know, like I'm not going to write a book called, well, I strike that, maybe I will. Uh, I'm not going to write a book called um, Progress, Not Perfection. I'm not going to write a book called uh, Acceptance is the Answer. You know, and again, maybe I will kind of thing. But, but the context is I'm not going to, um, what's that word, plagiarize? Plagiarize, yeah. Right? I was just, yeah. Because that just, that's just feels sneaky and icky. Now, yeah. there's, there's somebody I really respect in the field that um, kind of has had the reputation from some that is a, that is kind of making a dollar off of the big book. And, but again, I think that the, the way the message is portrayed, the way the message is shared and how that might inspire the individual again, is priceless. Mm-hmm. And, and how yeah. often are we resistant to this message? Yeah. We're so resistant. Oh yeah. And until somebody can mm-hmm. share it with us and say, look, man, I've been there this is my story. This is what happened to me. And this is where so on and so forth. And something finally strikes a chord. You know, I'll pay, I'll pay dollars for that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
So, I don't know. Maybe I was maybe I was misinterpreting the question. Maybe I was a little bit defensive about it. Golly, imagine that. Oh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's fine. We like defensive. We like defensive. Yeah. We like controversial. We like, we like to ruffle a few feathers, rattle a few pages. What we oh, do? Please. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to do that. You know, otherwise, it, otherwise, what are we doing? Otherwise, yeah, otherwise, it, it, as a therapist, you're just paying me to pat you on the back and say you're so great, you're so wonderful, absolutely. Yeah, you you, you have you you have to question the status quo and and absolutely um, change the paradigm of, of of the way even like in a personal level, I have to change the way I'm normally thinking in order to break through to a new way of thinking. So. Right. Um, to that question, I, I am going to give a, a slightly uh, defensive, antagonistic answer. First of all, Mackenzie, who the hell ever told you life was fair? Because <laughs> they were fucking lying. They were fucking lying, my friend. I ain't fair. Um, uh, that's it's not the way it works. Um, uh, there's, there's. There's different ways you can look at this. There uh, is a famous person from Baltimore who shall remain nameless who uh, had a, a very public downfall with uh, drugs, and now they've become a paid motivational speaker. Um, yeah. Part of me, like, I understand it. Like, I, I understand motivational speakers. Like, it is a job. Like, you are you are providing a service. You are doing something. You're getting paid for your time. So I, I understand that aspect of it. Um, do I, uh, So I don't really agree or disagree with with that aspect of it. That that is just a level of understanding where I can see eye to eye and be like, okay, you're you're doing something. You had to fly here. You had to lot a certain amount of time. You had to prepare. You had to do. There was a lot of work involved. So it, it, it's a job. Um, n- now, <sighs> it, it's tough. Like. Is it, uh, can you read it one more time, Eric? Is it unfair? Is it fair for people to make money giving talks um, about the programs and spreading the message? Um, yeah, I, th- I, I think it is fair on, on a lot of levels. Um, and, and I like, I'll take us. Like, I'll, I'll keep it on podcast recovery. Both you and I, Eric, more you, hundred percent. A lot, a lot of time to this. We like this is almost like having a second job. This is a second um, job. The this, amount of this hour, is this is not is almost it's having, not even like this it, is a second job. Yes, no, it is. You're right. Yeah, absolutely, it is a second job. We are we are allotting several hours of our lives for the last two years. Um, for nothing. We've been, we've been doing it for free. Like, and if, if somebody came by and was like, Hey, uh, can we put an ad space on your podcast so we can pay you to do what you do? Uh, unequivocally, both you and I would say, yes, like it, it gives us the opportunity to further 
our endeavor of what our, our true purpose is and like what our true purpose is like it states it in our mission statement and our vision statement. We're trying to get uh, a message of recovery of all forms of recovery, well-rounded recovery, regardless of, of what your, your use is, whether it's food, gambling, uh, sex, overeating, relationships, drugs, alcohol, we've covered the gamut of, of several different recoveries for free. And, and I love that we've done that. Like that is, it is absolutely a passion of mine. And I'm, and both you and I, Eric are very happy to do this work and it's, and it's been personally rewarding in our own recovery. But is it fair for us to, uh, make a little money at this? Yes, it is. It's, it's work. It's a job. Um, if we're not, we're not regurgitating anything. Like Chris said, like this is something that you and I are, are personally forging something new and we're, we're, we're constantly trying to be uh, cutting edge and a little bit different um, to, to really uh, open our own minds and other people's minds to a lot of different ways of recovery because there's, there's for a million addicts, there's a million different ways to recovery just as long as you keep getting better and, and, and don't revert back to the same old thinking behaviors and, and patterns of use and abuse that destroy our lives. So absolutely. Like it's fair. Is it unfair for like some people just because they're famous and they had a drug problem and now it's like, Oh, you just have to show up at, at Simpsonville, Iowa and you get paid a thousand dollars for 30 minutes of time. Yeah. It kind of sucks. Like, but it it, it is what it is. And ultimately I, I think the, uh, the, the benefit outweighs the, uh, um, the, the cost. I, I, it really does. And honestly, it might just be a little bit of jealousy. Ooh, look at that. Tech might, up there. Might, might be a little bit of jealousy. So, McKenzie. so, so there's so, a lot of shade I thought about this. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Yes. That, go. Is, that is some shade. Oh, we love, on. we love, we love you, McKenzie. <laughs> and we appreciate the question, but I, I, I do think it's fair. Well, I, I've said for a long time, uh, let me chime in real fast on this, if, if that's okay. Um, I said for yeah. a long time, I feel like the biggest con artist in the world because I'm making a really great wage teaching people and, and introducing them or reintroducing them to this idea of recovery. And, mm-hmm. and I don't say that as a joke. I don't say that, you know, just to, just to try to be humorous and, and yeah. insensitive. Because mm-hmm. when you look at when you look at step twelve, like let's let's really understand what that looks like. But mm-hmm. we all need to pay our bills. We all need to put food on our table and, and those those kinds of things. And this whole concept of I, I'm teaching people to do what you love as as yeah. your employment, if you're able to do that. And so if I'm able to pay my bills through this field, through through doing this work. And absolutely, and that's on my gratitude list all the time. Please believe. Uh, yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't have to feel badly about that. Um, but one of the other things is this famous person or that celebrity or that this other personality style or that communication style, if that is the single thing that gets an individual, any individual, to finally be open to receiving the message, I don't care how much right. it costs. I don't care. Yep. Even if I'm, yep. ooh, emotions are coming real fast. Even if it's my I know, I got heated too. flesh and blood, 
because that's happened where there was, where there was no money, mm -hmm. where there was no funds available. The, the funds had been blown on one of the best treatment centers in the country. And then, mm -hmm. and it didn't work. And when I say that, I would say that loosely. It's not the treatment center's fault, right? Yeah. But when, when those funds have been exhausted and then, um, then there's an opportunity somewhere else for resources and that ends up being the answer that ends up being the thing that gets an individual to open their eyes and see it for what it really is. Again, yeah. I don't care how much it costs. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Money comes yeah. and goes. Um, the other side, the other thought that I had was if somebody shows up for, you know, 30 minutes for a thousand bucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard in a, in a society where people are, are without, um, yeah. But the other part is whoever, whomever is paying them that amount of money, that's their right to choose how they're going to spend their money. Yeah. And so if you want to ship Absolutely. in, if you want, if you want to put two bucks in the hat as it goes around, if you want to, whatever it is, that's your choice. You don't have to, you're not obligated to do mm -hmm. that. There's a mm -hmm. lot of stuff that's out there that's free. That's on in the open market. And I love what you guys do that. You're not, you're not billing people to do this. And if they want to donate, they can donate. Hey guys, please donate to podcast recovery, by the way, I'm saying it, not them, but support this cause because, because enough people, you didn't enough, a third episode, my friend. Oh <laughs> yes. That's all I had to do. <laughs> but look at this concept. You're, you're able to reach the masses doing this. Mm -hmm. You're able to yeah. reach somebody that you, you, and you can't sponsor them, right? It's too far away. Mm -hmm. Um, for it to be realistic and most effective. You can't go pick mm -hmm. this person up and take them to a meeting, but they're in some other part of the country. They're in a different country. And, and they they're have quarantined. They ha yeah, yeah, exactly. They happen to catch these airways and that keeps somebody from going back out. That keeps somebody from, from, from doing those things that got them sick in the first place. There's no price tag on that. Yeah. And I, and I, again, let's have that conversation ongoing because we need to, we need to be kept in check that because yeah. I'm somebody who I'm somebody who makes a wage working in this field and I don't work only in addiction. I'm, I'm primarily trauma treatment. So, so mm. why the addiction? Why, why did you turn to substances? Yeah. I'm exploring what happened. I'm exploring those dynamics to try and heal those things so that we're lessening the impulse to go for the drug, to go for the sex, to go for the food, to go for the pornography, whatever it is. Right. Um, dude, we just came up that that's going to be the topic for the, for the third episode. We're going to talk about trauma, man. Yeah. But that's the thing. I, earlier also, man, can we just go four hours tonight? Is that all right? No, um, no. Oh, if, you guys haven't seen, if you guys haven't seen this already, there's this physician. He's Hungarian. His name is Dr. Gabor Mate, and he's an absolute genius. Mm -hmm. Just jump to Google or YouTube and type in Gabor Mate, what is yep. addiction? I know. Yeah. Like a little minute, five-minute clip of a TED Talk. And in that, he t I mean, there's so much good content in that. And I send that as a sci an assignment to my clients, um, especially right now as we're doing telehealth via email. And I, and I just say, you need to watch this and probably watch it two or three times. Um, mm -hmm. In that, one of the things that he says, until a person senses some compassion, they won't allow themselves to see the truth. Or only when a person senses some compassion will they allow themselves to see the truth. So mm -hmm. what that means is if Baltimore celebrity, if the treatment center that scholarshiped my family member. If um, you guys, 
if something I ever say inspires somebody to the point where they feel compassion, where they feel connected, again, it doesn't matter what the cost is financially. It doesn't matter what that is because it it has the potential to save not just that individual's life, but a whole legacy of people thereafter, you know? Yeah. Whoever their roommate is, whoever their spouse is, their partner, their kids, their coworkers, their neighbors, because recovery changes communities. It's not just the individual. And sometimes I think mm-hmm. I, sometimes I think we forget that. I'll, I'll use I statement. Sometimes I forget that that our work is changing yeah. communities and societies as a whole. Yeah. What about you, Eric? Is it fair? Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I I believe in a capitalistic society. Um, I know so, you do. To me, I mean, whatever you want to spend on something, whatever you're willing to pay for a service, uh, time is money. Um, look, charities, yeah. charities. You see what she's saying, though, right? I I see what she's saying, but I, at the same no no no, yeah. no 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 at the same time, what she's saying is, look, people, whatever you want, like there are people who make money doing far crazier shit than being like a sober coach or a motivational speaker. And, you know, to say that you, you, is it fair? Um, I mean, honestly, it just, you know, I, I think however someone wants to earn a wage, if they're able to earn a wage doing what they want to do, then that's fine. Um, I, I, I'm, I'll disagree with you there, but I'm not going to go into that. I mean, why? Why, <laughs> why is it not okay to do what you want to do? I mean, like, I'm, dude, some of those there are people who do shit on YouTube and get paid for it. That, that is that, but is that, but is that just a, is that, is that a resentment though? But is that a resentment on your end for dude, not, no, for it's not gross? But no. that's, but someone is. Someone, there's, if there's a neat, like, there's a market. So if there's a market for a thing, then why, why, but that's your own preconceived judgment of a certain thing because you don't like it, but other yeah. people do want to watch it. So why is it because, are, like, you're essentially saying. I that, watch it too. I just don't think you should get paid. Why not? Is it not driving traffic to the website? Okay. Is it not? Is it not producing I, ad I, revenue I, I, for the advertisers uh, on YouTube? Uh, like it's it's uh, generating income. Uh, you got to think about it like from 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 you know economics. I can't say that you're wrong. I know. I want to say you're wrong right now. It's it's honestly. I, love that. I, I can't <laughs> say you're wrong, but I don't like it. I, I don't I, like it at all. I want to say it so bad. I mean, look, like that's just how the world works. And like, you know, if you, if you don't think it's fair, but it's not unfair. No, it's not. It's not that I think it's unfair. I just, I just think, and I'm going to give you a perfect example. There's a guy on YouTube who has so many fucking followers. His name is shoe nice. This guy like drinks bottles of liquid fart and eats cactus and just does the most deplorable human shit that any idiot could do. And he gets paid for it. I'm like, Fuck that guy. He doesn't deserve to get fucking paid for eating a cactus. Why Fuck not? Guy. He found and a he found a market. Are he you found kidding a, me? No, listen, listen to me, David. He found a cactus eating market? Listen there's a there's a market for this certain sense of humor. 
he has tapped into it. He is generating leads and revenue to this to YouTube and is increasing My their, wife is laughing, by the way. Is increasing their ad revenue <laughs> for his like for his content. Why shouldn't he be paid for, for what he's doing? A bottle of liquid fart. No, no, David, forget because the forget, forget no, forget the action. Forget what's happening. Understand there's a market. Trust me, once you see that, you can't forget it. But under <laughs> understand that there I'm is a market. Right now. I mean, is there is there not like people's time is worth yeah, Google shoe something. knife eats a cactus. It's it's you'll never you'll you'll never unsee it. That guy does the worst shit ever. Eat I mean, a whole roll of toilet paper. No, I get it. This is basic this is basic demand gen. Like honestly, like if you get down no, to like the basic brass and, and tacks I'm being of it, devil's advocate for a specific reason. But it's not devil's ad. Like it's this is this is economics. This is just understanding no, how markets I, I, work. It's not devil's advocate. It's just this is like how it, the market. It is, but, but it's not. It's this is how the market works. You're right, and you and, know, Eric, like <laughs> you're right. You are right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying. To agree that that guy deserves money is is where we differ. I gotta, I'm saying, yeah. I'm not I gotta see. I gotta You're see right. what his numbers I'm, are. You know, like it's all about numbers. Like that's really what it comes down to. It's brass tacks. What I are the get, numbers? And I, and I get that as well. But it, it's it's just like, do I feel like certain people earn money? Like I'm not like I'm not sure if like their skill set is really like. You know, like I can look at something and be like, I, you know, I don't feel like this skill should get this much money, but you know, what, what's yeah. the revenue? What are the margins all, behind yeah. that? Like, I need to understand mm-hmm. the business behind what's going on to really understand what the value is. Like, and I understand, like, and this, YouTube, is why we, this is why we balance so well, Eric, because I'm like thinking of like the, um, the intellectual, emotional side of it, and you are just strictly numbers. And I love you for that because you were just like, "What are the fucking numbers? What's the revenue being generated?" Like, and and you're right, you're 100 percent right. I'm just like, it's, it's fucking gross, dude. Why are you getting paid? But you're right. we we have to shut down, guys. We have to uh, we have to wrap this up. Yes, yes. So I, I think the consensus is yes, it is fair. Although sometimes it sucks. But guess what? That's life. Yeah, and if we're not taking advantage of people, you know, if, if it goes back to goes back to the integrity piece, self discipline mm-hmm. piece, you know, yeah, let's let's be honest in all our dealings and and uh, carry that message in a way that that is inspiring, that's not deceptive, that's not um, manipulative in any way. And yes, as long as we're the, coming out of a place of of uh, genuine care and and. Any of those people who charge any amount of money, if if at the core of it, they they generally they genuinely are doing it to touch another human being and improve their life, then then it's priceless, it's fair, and uh, I, I think there should probably be more of it in the world. Yeah. All right. Well, we would like to uh, thank our guest Chris for joining us this evening. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate you very much. Absolutely, man. Yeah, man, and we'll definitely have uh, more talks in the future. We'll we'll get you back on. I love that. Awesome. Here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict. 
wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube. For more information about Eric and I, go to podcastrecovery.com, where all of our episodes are. Uh, But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean.